Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. I hear laughter. Um, <laughs> They're laughing with us, <laughs> not at us. They are laughing at us, actually, Ethan. We couldn't even write this. We couldn't make this up. So we planned a while back to preach together on a Sunday, on this particular Sunday, and then uh, this happened, and then... Remember the, remember the campaign, Like Mike, where everyone wanted to be yeah. like Michael Jordan? Yeah. That's what happened. Yes. You want to... <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Hey, so before you start... It's our six-year anniversary. It's pretty exciting. Very exciting. This is going to make him nervous. We work during the week about this, this worship experience because we want nothing to be a surprise ever. We want everything to be planned out and everything to be um, not controlled, but we want to know what's happening. And you, there's something that's going to happen that you have no clue. Really? Yes. Oh, um, Are you okay? I'm good. Yeah. So... I just want to say thank you to you because six years ago you said yes to a call. Mm. Uh, you said yes to God and, and planted this church. And because of this, God has impacted not just people in this room, not just people in the mill, but people in this community. But you said yes to a lot more things before that. You, you, you've been a mentor in my life for years. I remember um, being like at a pivotal moment in my life not knowing really what to do. And I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray and then I'm going to call Gerald because he'll know what to do. <laughs> But before that, before we even met, you, you were saying yes to God long, long before that. And so actually, I want to invite my friend Grant Campbell up on stage just really quickly. Um, Grant's a great guy, and you've known Grant for, I, for a I, few years, right? I've known Grant for so a So Grant, give it up for Grant Campbell, guys. Here you go, buddy. What? You have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. what the Everybody enjoy Gerald squirming just for a moment. <laughs> so... Um, so my name is Grant Campbell. Um, I've known Gerald for 20, 30 years. 1990, brother. Whoa. Yeah. So we were in college together, and I know um, Gerald and I are essentially the same age. I have one year on you, um, but you know some of us kept their original hair color and their <laughs> and their waistline. Um, Thou shalt not covet. Um, but anyway, um, I wanted to say congratulations. Gerald and I, our, our faith journey started in the kitchen of Mangum Dorm, where uh, God has made us cross paths over those years. He has gotten me through questions in my faith. He's gotten me through three combat deployments. He's gotten me through loss of friends. And uh, I started thinking about how long we've known each other in that beginning of that spiritual journey and how far you've come with this church and how proud I am of you. But I kept thinking about that Mangum dorm kitchen where we talked. So I thought in that spirit, I've brought a few people to congratulate you today uh, in that spirit. So you guys head on up today. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I'm going to introduce these, as these guys say hello to our friend, 
Benji, Lloyd, Marla, and Tim, we were all in the dorm together <laughs> 600 years ago when we were in college. Hey, brother. So this guy's been a rock of faith um, for decades. Great to see you. And he has been there for us, and we just wanted to tell him uh, we're getting off the stage here. So, but. Um, we want to let you know we're proud of you and how much you've touched our lives over the decades, and we love you. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all are staying like till after, right? Are you sticking around? Are you sticking around? Because we got to catch up. All right, that's amazing. I'm so I'm my mind is kind of blown right now. Uh, man, I love seeing your faces, and I'll, uh, it's it's been year, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, all right, We're, we'll catch up. We'll, yes, we'll catch yes, up yes, without yes, them. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Without we, them. Gosh, yeah. y'all are yeah. amazing. Oh my goodness. So there you go. What the heck are you doing? To I me? don't know, man. <laughs> Good luck preaching. Good luck trying to get back on track. Right. Right. Uh, my goodness. Like yeah. My roommates and friends and people from our hall in Mangum Dorm in Chapel Hill from 1990, 91. You know how old I was in 1990? I don't care. <laughs> Zero. Zero. <laughs> You were zero years old. I was zero years, years old. <laughs> that's great. Yes. <laughs> this moment's about me right that's now. Right, that's right. Um, <laughs> I know. That's why I'm trying to get off of you yes. back onto me. Incredible. Oh, my goodness. What do we do? I don't know. What do we do now? Uh, I, uh, I guess I'll start talking. Um, uh, so that's, that's amazing. Wow, wow, wow. And, uh, and I will just say six years. I mean, there's no way. Uh, there, there are uh, people in this room who were here six years ago, too, you know, and, and people who, there's no way, this, this is a team thing, like there's no way that it would have happened otherwise. And, uh, and so what a, what a journey and what a ride. And, and some of us have been together longer than that uh, in, in community and um, pursuing, pursuing Jesus together and pursuing a uh, healthy community together. And uh, I couldn't be more grateful or, or proud of this place or humbled uh, and all, all of those things uh, to, to be able to be sitting here right now and sitting here beside my buddy. Yeah, thanks. Um, so uh, uh, we're going to talk to the, somehow we're going to transition segue <laughs> into uh, the last week of this message or this series called Glad You're Here. And uh, I, that was kind of a, um, here's my segue. I felt a little unprepared for that. And, and you did, yes, you were. And I, I planned it that way. Thank I you. was prepared for all of that. Yes, because uh, we're yeah. talking about being prepared today. And here's, here's my uh, opening really story. You, you guys ever had one of those dreams where you are, uh, you're late to something that you forgot about? And mine is always about college, actually, right? Like, it's the dream of I... Uh, I, 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 I realized I have this class that I'd forgotten about for the whole semester and it's exam time and now I've got to prepare and you know, for this exam that I'm not prepared for and run to class and sometimes my feet are like moving super slow and I can't get there and uh, you guys ever have that dream or some version of that dream? Everybody has that dream. What does that mean? Does anybody know? Somebody come and tell me what that means later. Uh, uh, I, I remember definitely having tests I didn't feel prepared for, and it is like being unprepared is not a good feeling. You ever felt unprepared? Yeah, I have dreams where I am up here, and I'm like, yes. I like go to look at my notes, and it's like just it's blank paper. Yes, which is kind of like it is now. Um, <laughs> no, but I have the same thing. I actually had last week. I had a dream about this. Yeah. So being prepared does some things for you. It makes you feel uh, comfortable, right? When you're prepared for something, it makes you feel uh, confident. 
and it makes you it makes you bolder when you're prepared. When you're when you are prepared for something, it just makes you feel those things, right? Comfortable, confident, and and bolder. And uh, we both brought a, a different a different story yeah. to tell about that. I, I have a friend named Nick, and he. Uh, Forgive me if anyone is into like karate or taekwondo or any of that because I'm going to just ruin this all. But he's a karate man. <laughs> My friend Nick is a karate guy. Like he, he, was, he's, he's, he practiced karate. His dad owned a dojo growing up. And so he spent hours and hours and hours practicing karate. And, I, and this actually is Tony Ann Pfeiffer, our, our, uh, our director of Love Kids. She's a black belt. Did you guys know this? It's amazing. So this is actually her real, her real belt, so don't mess with Tony Ann. But, mm-hmm. but my friend would go to these competitions when he was a kid, and he would work on these moves, and he would, he would work for hours on getting his, his hands in the right place when he would... I'm going to look like an idiot for a second. Do it. It's fine. I look like an idiot just all the time. Second, just, just, for for, just for one second. <laughs> but he would work on his hands <laughs> like that. And, and he would tell me, you know, the judges would take off a point, like if I, if I did this rather than this, you know, it's wrong, so they would take off a point. And, and one day I said, Nick, why is that important? Like if you were in an alleyway and a guy tried to attack you, okay, are you going to say, hold on? Are you going to do those things? Are you a black belt too? I am a black belt, actually. Yeah. I've been, yeah, it's incredible. Are you going to do those things in the moment? And he said, no. He said, the, the purpose of all that training is not to do that in the moment. The purpose of the training is to get it so ingrained into who you are that when you are attacked, if even 10% of your training comes out, it'll save your life. So even 10%. So he would train, 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 prepare himself for a potential moment that would happen. So even if 10% of his training would come out, it would save his life. Yeah. So uh, cool. That's a cool picture of of preparation, right? One thing uh, that I do with some of my time is I write uh, books. I write fiction fiction books, and one thing that I do with that, and I brought this here, I usually use some form of a uh, a book like a sketchbook for preparation. So I've got this is for one of the novels that I wrote. I've got a, a bunch of drawings and charts and sketches in here. This is something that I do before I ever start writing. Because if I don't prepare, I have no idea where it's going to go. And, and so I just brought this this morning and just to kind of leave it, it's a mess. I mean, of just me scribbling notes and writing things and writing down ideas in the middle of the night or whatever. But it all kind of comes together and it's all part of my um, preparation. Um, practice is a, is a part of preparation as well. I was just, uh, I didn't write this at all, but Benji Lambert <laughs> you guys remember, so my friend Benji here uh, started playing guitar in 1990, and uh, I think you bought my guitar. I think I sold my, uh, my, my Strat, my, my red and white Strat to you with an amp, and he would sit there across the hall from us in his room and play a uh, Metallica song for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and he got so good at it that like, he was prepared for whenever the call came. I don't know if you ever got to play it in front of a bunch of people or not, man. You did, yes. He would just play uh, Nothing Else Matters by Metallica like over and over and over again. I have that ringing in my head right now as I'm looking at you, my brother. Um, preparation, okay, so here's why we're talking about that. The past couple of weeks we've said that God's heart is for, uh, t- towards people like us, towards normal people who struggle. Uh, his heart is for us. Uh, his, uh, like, like what we want to say is that how, how he treats the people on the outside, which we've all been the people on the outside, is with love and with acceptance and with forgiveness. And, and, and so it's refreshing to see how Jesus treated people. So we've said, hey, there's nothing more important to God. There's nothing more important to God than finding what's missing. Like that's his heart is to find what's 
um, missing. And we've also said this, we need each other to grow spiritually. Like we can't do it alone. This is not, this is not like golf. This is, this is more like basketball or football. This is a team sport. Okay, we need each other to grow spiritually. And then last week, if you were here for Craig, Alan Cooper, which did, he did an amazing job last week. It was so much fun to have Craig uh, with us, our, our buddy and guest speaking. But he said that Jesus desires a merciful community. He says, uh, he quoted that passage where Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And, and the kind of community that he wants us to build is, is something merciful. So today, what we're saying is, where do we go from here? Like, like, where do we go from here? And so we thought that it starts with some invitations. Like all of us are gonna have invitations to, to, uh, to, to sort of respond to. Um, Mike said a few of them earlier, and your invitation might just be to show back up next week and continue to pursue God and explore who he is. Uh, I, I'm so grateful, I think back to those conversations that I had with Grant around this kitchen table in, in a, a dorm room or a dorm hallway so many years ago, and like, I'm so glad that we kind of responded to an invitation to God together and kept pursuing, and, and like, here we are. It's, it's crazy to me that like, we're here. And, and, and still, still uh, walking with God and still trying to you know, wrestle with him and figure out who he is and what he's saying and what he's doing and, and, and trusting him. And, uh, and so we thought, I mean, so one of the invitations that Mike mentioned that you might want to say a little more about is Belong Now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Belong Now is an invitation to anyone who's not ever been to a Belong Now. And it's, uh, I like to describe it as, 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 as three easy things. Free food, we all love free food. Uh, free childcare. Right, moms and dads, and and you can make ten new friends instantly. And so it's a really easy way to step into community, step into what's going on here, to learn a little bit more about um, things around here and why we do the things that we do. And uh, it's just a, a place where you you can say, I'm I'm here and I'm ready to be known. I'm ready to be known. Yeah. And another one, and we can even put the Q, I think we might put the QR code up for these both. If you go to the, the QR code, you can find, or if you at least go to lovelkn.org, you can find out how to register. But the other thing is baptism. Uh, we're doing a baptism uh, service coming up June 4th. And if you've never said yes to that, it's something that Jesus actually invites all of his followers to. Once you believe, he says, um, come and be baptized. And it's this picture of uh, going from death into life and stepping into new life, not by anything that you've done, but by what he's done for you uh, on, the, on the cross and through the empty tomb. And so if that's something that you've never done, it's, it might be time for you. This, this might be your time. And so you can uh, scan that or you can find it or you can, you, know, you can go to the website and register. You can talk to us more about it. But that's uh, one of your invitations. But there's another one, invitation too. You, yeah, I got, you, you have an, I got one more. You have another one besides my other one? Do you have another one? I do. I didn't know that. Uh, students in the room, uh, camp. Go. And, and I, like camp is usually explained like, hey, it's super fun. It's a great, you know, it's a week away from your parents. I, I don't think I'm alone when I say that camp changed my life. Like when I, when I went yeah. to camp, it like I came back different. I did. And so if you're a high schooler or a middle schooler in the room, um, if you're a middle schooler or a high school parent, it's, it shouldn't be like, don't, don't even think about it. Just don't think about it. Just say yes. That's good. When just, is it? Just when, say yes. When is it and where is it? It's, it's somewhere. No, it's, it's, right at, it's at the beach. It's, it's, it is fun. It's at the beach and it's uh, July 17th through the 22nd. Um, it, it, you will not come back uh, the same. You will, you will, it will change your, your view on church and on God and, and on yourself and on your peers and your friends. It will change your life. Yeah. Uh, parents, if you're wondering if your kids should go, they should go. 
Like they should, they should go, and we're gonna um, keep inviting you to, to make that decision. And there's some deadlines coming up for that too. Um, okay, the other invitation is really the rest of the message. And, and that is this, that there's an invitation that Jesus gives us in the New Testament, and Peter, Peter sums it up. Uh, Peter, Jesus' disciple, uh, and, and it's the difference between this. This invitation is the difference between uh, simply saying, I believe, because that's easy, right? It's easy and it's kinda, it's kinda almost cheap. Right? The difference between saying, I believe and I follow. Like the difference between saying, I believe and I follow. One is just lip service and the other one will change your life. The other one will change your life. There's a difference between saying, I believe and I follow. And you might've gone your whole life to this point with just saying, yeah, I believe, I believe and I believe. And, and it's almost like an answer to people who, who will push you a little bit. Like, I, be, I believe, you don't need to talk to me. You don't need to ask me anything. I, I believe. There's a difference between I believe and I follow. And Peter says this, hey, if you wanna follow, you gotta be ready. Like, you gotta be prepared. In fact, he says it like this uh, from the book of First Peter. This is a letter he writes to, to those who were trying to follow Jesus. And he says it like this. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, your head's in the way, to you, you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Your head's enormous. <laughs> very, um, very, for my large brain. <laughs> always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. He's saying, hey, you want to follow him? You need to be ready. Like we're invited to be ready to share him, not to hide it, not to shy it away, not to shy away, not to push him away, not to say, yeah, 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 I believe, but to be ready. But it can often feel like when you're following Jesus or trying to, it can feel like that dream, like where you're unprepared. It can feel like I'm just slogging through and I'm not prepared and oh my goodness, what are you asking me to do? I'm, you're asking me to share my faith or talk to somebody about it or, or live it out loud or, or do something else. Like that feels to me like I'm in that unprepared state. Like I'm, I'm in that dream where I'm intimidated and I'm scared and it can be hard. The idea of sharing my faith, does, it, it, it can be intimidating, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like, like it just doesn't have to be that way, you can be prepared and that can lead you to being comfortable and confident and, and bolder. And there are some ways to be prepared to share hope. And, and one yeah. of those ways is, is with your words, right? Yeah, you can be prepared with your words. Uh, back in November of 2014, um, my wife and I drove to the hospital to have a baby. And uh, I, we were prepared in a lot of ways. Like we had a crib and we had other stuff for the baby. Like we were prepared things that babies need. They come with a lot of stuff. They have a lot of stuff. The bottles and the warmers and the th they have a lot of stuff. We were prepared for this, this child. There were some things that happened that I, and I knew that life would change, right? Like I knew that life would change. Like I knew my schedule would change. I knew my sleeping habits would have to change. Um, or my, you know, the, the fact that I like to sleep would have to change. Um, <laughs> but something happened that I didn't expect. And, and, and that was, I changed. This, this, little, this little baby changed me and, and, and made me see the world differently and made me see uh, people differently, made me see myself differently, made me see God differently. And I didn't expect that, but I changed. Every encounter that, that Jesus had with someone, they left changed. They left changed. In John's gospel, we see this incredible uh, encounter with, with Jesus and this blind man. Jesus, he sees this blind man. He sees him, and he walks up to him, and, and he does something kind of strange. He, and I actually wanted to do this on stage, but Gerald told me it was gross. He spits in some dirt. 
Jesus spits in some dirt and he and he uh, he makes makes some mud, like makes some paste out of out of his head of his spit mud, and he and he rubs it on this blind man's eyes. I mean, can you imagine how gross that kind of is? You were going to do it to me. That's I was right. going to do it to you. I really wanted to. And then Jesus says, "Go wash in this pool of water." And, uh, and, and he does, and, and he, he washes his eyes, and he, he leaves with this ability to see. Jesus has healed this man. Now, now as amazing as, as this was, it, it left this man like facing questions, like his neighbors, his family, like asking the question, how did this happen to you? Who did this to you? How did this happen? How did this happen? Why did this happen? And, and the man uh, was like, I don't know, this, 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 this man just spit in the ground, rubbed his spit in my eyes, and now I can see his, his neighbors question whether it was really him or not. And then the news got to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were these, these super religious, these, these people, and they were not happy about it. They were, they were kind of ticked off about it because Jesus had done this miracle on the Sabbath, and that was a real big no-no. Like, you're not supposed to do those things on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees, trying to catch Jesus in sin, asked the blind man this. Verse 24, they said, give glory to God by telling the truth. Tell the truth. He sinned, right? They said, we know this man is a sinner. Tell the truth. He sinned. He, he healed you on the Sabbath. And the man who was blind said this, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. He, he, he didn't really know how to describe what happened. He didn't really know how to answer their question. But he was prepared to say, yeah, I was the blind guy. That was me. And, and because I met Jesus, I'm different now. Because I met Jesus... I'm physically changed. This man was physically changed, and he was ready to give an account of what had happened to him. And maybe for some of us in the room, you can say, yes, at some point in college or my early 20s or maybe even high school, maybe two months ago, I had an encounter, and I'm different now. I was blind, but now I... I see. And maybe for you, that's, you're just kind of kicking the tires of Christianity, and that's, that's totally fine. But, but for some people, for this man, he was prepared to share. You see, I, I feel like our tendency is, as, as believers, is to, um, to, to share a video, maybe, of uh, uh, apologetics um, or trying to describe, like, explain the existence of God. Or, or we want to we wanna share something on Facebook or maybe fight on Facebook about a controversial mm topic and we're like, this is, no, I'm sharing my faith because I'm fighting on Facebook with like some woman named Sherry. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm defending my faith. And there's a time and place for all those things, maybe not for fighting on Facebook. But we cannot overlook the power of a changed heart. Mm. We cannot overlook the power of the changed heart. Yes, theology is so important, and, and, and God calls us to love him with our minds, but the power of a changed heart is something so important. I wrote a few things down because I've experienced all of these things through Jesus. It has the power to change a worried heart filled with hope. 
It will take a worried heart and, and fill it full of hope, a grumbling heart overflowing with joy, an, an ungrateful heart giving thanks, a jealous heart overcome with celebration, an angry heart calmed with peace, a guilty heart released by forgiveness, a proud heart humble, a greedy heart made generous. We cannot overlook the power of a changed heart. Ultimately, podcasts are great and books are great and TED Talks or anything that can change your mind, those are great things. But just because it can change your mind doesn't mean it can change your heart. The only person who can do that is Jesus. And this man had an encounter with him. And maybe you have too. We're called to love God with our minds, but the power of a changed heart is there. We cannot overlook it. We must be ready to say what we believe, but also what happened to us. So let me ask you some questions. What has happened in your life? What has happened in your life? What has God brought you through? How has God changed your heart? And how are you sharing that with your words? Because if you're not sharing how God changed you, how Jesus has changed you, then you are wasting your story. You are wasting your story. Your story is more powerful than you think. Your story has the power, because of Jesus, to connect you with other people. When you share your story, other people hear it and they say, I thought I was the only one. Mm -hmm. I thought I was alone in that. God did that for you. God did that in you. God did that through you. I thought I was alone in that. When we share our stories with our words, it connects with other people and gives glory to God. Like the blind man, are you prepared to say, I was blind, but now I see? Um, let me jump in and ask you about that. Like, what do, what do I do when I, when I know that there's, res- like, I, there's maybe someone in my life, a family member, a friend, who I feel like they're, they're there for a reason, and I really need to share something, or I want to share something, but I don't know how, and I feel like there's resistance. And it almost maybe feels like my friend doesn't want doesn't to hear it. Like, what, do, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how do I share with my, with my words, or do I share with my words in that moment? I was blind, but now I see. What, you got any thoughts on no, that? No, I don't. I'm kidding. No, I do. Uh, yeah, I think... That's an unscripted question, by unscripted. the way, just so you know. I, yes, he doesn't know. I didn't know. Did you write that down? I did write that. Oh, uh, well, it's a scripted question. The answer. A, yeah, that's right. No, I think, I think uh, there's going to be trust there, right? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that there's, there's already trust built into that relationship. And I think, uh, and you'll talk about it here in a second, I think your life speaks into that. But I think there is going to be a moment where you do say, this is my story, and I think at some level, if you're being very authentic about it, it, it connects with people. Yeah. E- even if they may not want to hear it, even if they may not believe everything that you believe, they connect with your story. Yeah, and it's hard to, it's hard to argue with a story. Unless it's like a story like, I met Jesus in the bathroom of Coles. You know, like, if it's a crazy story, maybe it's not real. Somebody I think our, might have that story in this. It's, it's true. I, mean, I think know? our stories have to connect with, uh, with, the Jesus, with, the, with Jesus of, of the Bible, and it can't contradict or oppose anything that the Bible says. Um, and so we have this to back up our own stories. I got you. Well, uh, so another way, not only with your words, but with, uh, another way to be prepared is with uh, your lifestyle. Now, um, preparation, being prepared, being ready is about training versus trying. Um, my, my friend and one of our advisory team members, Jason Brett, he's right here. Uh, 
Hey, Jason, he doesn't want to be called out, but he just got called out. Uh, he's, he's, uh, I asked him this week, I'm like, hey, what's it like to train for triathlons? Because he does the last several years, like a ton of triathlon training, and that's like the most intense of the intense, right? And, and so he shared some, some interesting stuff with me. He's like, the first triathlon I did, he said, uh, I started training one year out, okay? So one year of preparation. In the first six months, I was training like six to eight hours, I think you said a week in preparation. In the second, second six months, I was training like 12 to 15 hours a week, and, and, and I was spending, I started spending like 10 to 15% of my time swimming, and, and then 40% or so of time on the bike, and then the rest of the 45 to 50% left was on, on running, and I'm just going a whole year of that for one race, and right now, like, I feel good if I can walk from the <laughs> sofa to the refrigerator yes. in less than five minutes. Yes. I bet I could beat you, probably. You probably could. From the We're going to have a race after, uh, after this. <laughs> you better be ready. Um, but, but race preparation is like a lifestyle, not just a thing that you do. It becomes part of your life, right? Like It just becomes a part of your, part of your lifestyle if you're going to do it. I would say this, following God, not, not just believing, but the following part is a lifestyle too. It's a lifestyle too. Now, in the Old Testament, we had all these rules that were set up um, by, by really the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they set up all these rules about how to connect with God, uh, like that they thought allowed you to get closer to him. And so there were all these rule upon rule upon, upon rule. You have to attend these events. You have to make these sacrifices. You have to uh, follow this list of, of, of things you shouldn't do, and here's things you should do. And if you broke a rule, you had to pay for it. And, and then on the Sabbath, especially the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. They decided there were a certain number of steps you could take on the Sabbath that were okay. But if you took that next one, you were in sin. Okay, so they decided there was a... What about a scooter? Um, or, a scooter, or, yeah, they didn't even have wheels back then, I don't think true. so. That's I'm true. kidding. Um, a scooter, yes. But so, so there were these, these steps that they put in place. And then Jesus came along and he recognized those things aren't drawing people closer, they're pushing people away from God. These are things that are actually pe pushing people away. And so there was a point where, where Jesus uh, broke things down. He said, hey, here's what it's about. It's about loving God and loving your neighbor. In fact, someone else came to him and said that, and he said, you've spoken rightly. It, 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 all of those things boiled down into those two things, and then Jesus took it a step further, which this is actually, if you really study it, it's just scandalous what happens, that, that he took all of that, like all of the Old Testament, the law, and he boils it down to one thing. And I love it when somebody gives me one thing, right? Like I just one thing to do, one thing to do. And so Jesus was talking to his disciples. He says, here's the one thing you should do. He says it like this. It's from the book of John chapter 13. He says, um, when, when it comes to being prepared with your lifestyle, this is what you should do. A new command I give to you, he says. A new command. I'm taking all of those and I'm giving you a new one. And this supersedes all of those. It's wild that Jesus, I mean, it's, it's very countercultural that he says this, and we're still wrestling with it today. A new command I give to you, love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He took all of them and he boiled it down to one. He's like, this is your training. You want a training regimen? Here it is. Love each other well. You want to be prepared to share the hope that you have? Live a lifestyle of love toward one another, and then they're going to know that you're following me. They're going to know who I am by the way that you love each other. Paul actually says in the book of Romans, when he's writing, he's writing about this, he's kind of reflecting, he's talking to Christians in Rome, he basically says, let there be no 
debt remaining, out, remaining outstanding except for the ongoing debt to love one another. I have no debt among you that, that remains outstanding except that you always have this debt. You owe it to one another to love one another. This is your lifestyle. And if we want to be prepared to share the hope that we have, if you're a follower of Jesus, and again, we don't assume everybody is in this room, but if that's where you are today, then one of the things to be prepared with is in our lifestyle. And Jesus is saying, that's got to be a lifestyle of love. Now, I'll just say one thing about that. Loving well, I'll just say there's one thing. We could have so many things about what it means to love. But loving well means earning the right to speak the truth. Right, like, like earning the right to speak the truth. When you see somebody struggle, for instance, um, is it more loving to say, uh, God bless you, I hope you do well with that, and then you walk on by them, like good luck with that, right? Or is it more loving to dig in and help them see God's best for them and not leave them there? Love is, is wanting the best for someone, even when it gets uncomfortable. Love is about wanting the best for somebody, even if it should get uncomfortable. And when we live that lifestyle of love, it's gonna speak volumes to our world because you, like, like if you love people relentlessly. That's what Jesus was saying. Love people relentlessly. They're gonna know. They're gonna know that you're my disciples. They're gonna see. It's a love like Jesus. When Jesus spoke hard things to people, when, when he spoke truth to people that were around him, that they knew that he had their best interests in mind because he loved them well. They knew he had their best interest in mind because he was with them. He hung out with them. They had a relationship. They trained together for this. So Jesus says, make your lifestyle one of love. Who in your life did this well? Oh, my gosh. Like I want to know when you think back to teenage years, to early 20s, whenever, like who, who's the person that sticks out in your mind that says, you're thinking, they... they I love what you said. You said uh, they want the best for you, even when it was, even when it's messy. Who who wanted that for for you? Well, my parents, for one thing, <laughs> right? Like we had a lot of this kind of thing going on. But I look back, as so many of us do, and we're like, my parents loved me, loved me well. Um, I had let's see, some some just some good friends in my church in my twenties that were that surrounded me, and in, and in college that surrounded me. I had a, a small group of, of people in college that were we where we kind of studied the Bible and wrestled with life together. And I had the same thing going on in my twenties, where I had people who would speak truth to me. And there were times where that was uncomfortable, like times where, where uh, I didn't want to hear it. But um, there were there were certainly and then today, I mean, Liz is is absolutely the you know first and foremost one to speak into my life and and love me well and and challenge and encourage and and, um, and yeah, so those are people that I come that, that come to mind right there. I love it. Well, the the third way we can be prepared is is with your hands with with your hands. Uh, we just bought a house. We closed on it on Thursday, and it's it was built in 1994. And that was the last time that it was updated, was 1994. It, and, and if you have blue carpet in your house, I don't want to make fun of you, but it has blue carpet. It has wallpaper, and not the cool wallpaper. It's not like the, the, the cool new hip. It, it's very, we'll call it just retro. Yeah. Is that fair? We'll call, it, we'll call it retro. And I have all these plans for all these DIY projects, okay? Like, I, I, I'm a man. I can do these things. I can, Ooh. like, my... I can do all these do-it-yourself projects, right? Can you? So I have all this, this list. Like I have, a, I have a Pinterest board full of... That feels... I bet you do. That, that sounds... It's, I, don't judge me. I, I don't because we have shared we Pinterest boards We have shared Pinterest boards. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Everything's okay. 
But here's the problem. I have this list of DIY projects that I would really love to do. And then I stack it up against my skill level of DIY projects. And it's like, they're not the same. They're not the same. So what I find is I talk about these projects a lot and that's where they die. I just talk about it a lot and it never happens. And it, it never happens. These projects never get finished because I just talk about it. I have a buddy who, who has this saying and he says, don't talk about it, be about it. Mm. That's pretty tough sound. That's good. Don't talk about, about it, it, be about it. Mm. You may have heard, uh, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. You guys heard that? Yeah, you get, you get that. I mean, our, our state motto is Latin for to be rather than to seem. The idea is the same. It's, it's what you're saying and what you're doing being aligned. What you're saying and what you're doing being aligned. Now, now time and time again, people uh, were shocked that Jesus didn't fit the box that they wanted him to fit in. That he, he really, he, he came and, and they thought that he was going to overtake the government and, and have this like very powerful kingdom in a, in a worldly power kind of sense. But, but Jesus displayed his power in a, in a very different way, in a, di- in a different way than, than anyone ever expected. And so in, in Matthew 20, we see this conversation about kingdoms and power and authority. And, and we find out that there's a, there's a mom a mom who loves her two boys, and she wants to make sure that they get to sit on the right and the left of Jesus in his kingdom. I mean, what mother doesn't want their kids to be successful, right? But she asks Jesus, she's like, hey, what is it going to take for my, for my boys, my sweet boys, to be on the right and on your, your left? And Jesus took this opportunity. This wasn't the only time he was asked this, by the way, but he took this opportunity to explain what his kingdom would look like and not only that, what, what someone who is, is great uh, in his kingdom would look like. And this is what it says. It says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. You, you know that the people in power have, have power over you. They, they use it over you. Not so with you. Not so with you. Not so with, with you. My kingdom is not going to be one that's, that's powering over people. He goes on to say, to say this. Whoever, so instead, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great. Oh, I want to be great. Among you must become your servant. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense. I want to be at the top. I want to be great. Must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first, we want to be first, must be your slave. This is backwards, Jesus. Why is this backwards? And he answers that question. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, you want to be great in my kingdom? Serve. Oh, you want to be first? Be last. You want to get ahead? Put people in front of you. Put people before Yourself And as a response of God's love for us, we can serve others well. Not to look a specific way, not to fit this perfect mold, not to look or, or be perfect. But so my hands and my life and my words and what I believe are aligned. 
I don't just want to talk about it. I want to be about it. Hmm. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be about it. Martin Luther said this, God does not need your good works. He doesn't. But your neighbor does. Hmm. Your neighbor needs them. And through that, God receives the glory. Be prepared with your words and your lifestyle. But be prepared with your hands. How are you loving the people in your life by serving them, by putting them first, their needs first? Give an account of what you believe. Give an account of the hope that you have by loving others, by serving them with your hands. Yeah. Uh, what do you? What is it? What does it say to you when there? When like there's a person with faith that's like a person of faith is all words and no action. That's what I'm trying to say. When a person of faith is all words, no action. What does that say to you? Or what is that? Uh, well, Craig said something interesting last week that that, um, and I'll give a little bit of context. He he was saying uh, he was talking with 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 his buddy Walker and and and. Uh, Walker didn't believe, and um, but he kept encouraging Craig and encouraging Craig. And Craig, at some point, said, "Why do you keep encouraging me about something that I don't, that you don't believe?" And and Walker said, "Because you believe it." And so, mm. for me, it's like if you believe it, you're going to be about it. Yeah, it's not just going to be something you say. Yeah, it's going to be something you do. Yeah. Believing versus following. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. One one more thing about what it looks like to be prepared, uh, and that's with your feet. You probably could have seen that coming. We said, uh, you know, words, hands, lifestyle, and with your feet. There's a uh, right right when Jesus at the very uh, it, one of the last things he said uh, right after he had risen, and we're going to celebrate that next week, uh, his resurrection. He said this to his disciples. He said, Jesus. It says Jesus came to them. And he said, All authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Like your prep, my prep, our readiness, our training always involves going at some point. Like you have to go. You have to go. Jesus' final command, go and make disciples and invite people to follow me. And that may be the one word you're here to hear today. You're hearing a lot of words today from both of us, but you, you might just need that one, go. What does that mean to me, to, to go today? And maybe, let me say this, maybe he'll call you far away to preach the gospel. Like maybe he'll call you to do that far away. And, and you know, if he does, we're gonna cheer you on. We're gonna support you and encourage you. But I can guarantee you this. If he does that, if God says, I want you to go to this place, he has already first invited you to go somewhere nearby. He's already first invited you to go somewhere close. And that might mean to go by going to serve kids, like in love kids, and sharing the gospel with them. It might mean going by stepping into the neighborhood behind us and serving somebody and loving somebody and living there. It might be going by handing a cup of coffee to somebody and greeting them in the name of Jesus. It might be going by getting to know your neighbor and just, just getting in their world, right? And you're going to move. You've got an opportunity for new neighbors. And, um, and, and so, you know, you, you, all those relationships you burned in your old neighborhood, you don't have those are Burn new, right? Burn the ground, baby. Bye-bye. Um, no, but you've got an opportunity to get to know people and get into their world. And, or to go by being a good friend and just listening and spending time together, speaking the truth of Jesus when there's an opportunity to in their life. Being ready to go. 
Being ready to go is, is a, a maybe, maybe a change for you in your approach, because your approach may have been, I mean, mine was at one point, like kind of waiting to see what God was gonna do for me like waiting to receive something. And, and this is a change in mindset where it's like, no, I'm not gonna wait anymore. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna serve God by serving someone else. I'm gonna go to somebody. So how would, would we know how to go, where to go? Like, yeah. where, where do I go? Yeah, like, how I, do I figure that out? Like, that's a great question. And I think we make it way more complicated than it yeah. needs to be. Way more complicated. Like, we got to have it all figured out before we go. And sometimes that gets to be an excuse where we're like, I got to wait. I don't know if it's right yet. Just go. Like, like sometimes it's just go and God will show you along the way, but he won't show you until you go. I think about that with writing. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm trying to write something, I, I got to start writing before I know where it's going. Like, it's just weird that way, but that's the way it is. I've got to start, and the hardest thing is to start because I'll distract myself with everything else. The internet and everything becomes really interesting when I've got to try to do something and focus. But once I start, then I'm, I realize, oh, that's where the story needs to go. Well, I, I think it's the same way. I think, I think it's just start somewhere. What's the first thing in front of you? Do that. Who's the person in front of you? Serve them. See where that goes. And, and it'll, be a, it'll never be a predicted kind of thing. But gosh, it's so much better than just leaving the, like, leaving the boat at the dock. I mean, right? We want to like, let the boat leave the shore and see where it goes and see what God has for us. But I, I, I've, heard, I've heard it before. I, mean, I think Tim Keller said this, that God can't steer a ship that's in the dock. The, 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 the boat's got to be moving. The boat's got to be moving. That's great. Uh, so to summarize this, the verse, always be prepared. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give. Here's, here's what I want to talk about just right for a second here, and then we'll close. The reason for the hope that you have, the reason for the hope that you have. Um, I'll just say this, uh, when you have hope in Jesus, um, you just end up doing life uh, a, little, a little differently. When you follow him, you end up doing life a little different. And I would say that, that yeah, that comes with some adventure and it comes with some chaos, but it also comes with, with like my experience is less anxiety and more peace because um, the things that we tend to want to hope in other, other people we put all our hope in, even if it's your spouse, you know, you put all my hope in my spouse, or maybe you put all your hope in a, in a government or a politician or, or whatever, even yourself, okay? Those things aren't your hope. Like those things and those people are going to let you down. But the people I know who know Jesus and are prepared to share him with their words and their lifestyle, their hands and their feet, they're the ones who have this real, lasting hope that will take you through any storm that that boat kind of goes through. It's just that that's been proven to be uh, true over and over and over again. The last thing I'll say is this. The greatest thing that you can do is share your hope with another person. Like the greatest thing that we can do is to share our hope with another person. So um, I'll just say this. Like how are you sharing with your words? With, with, with I was blind, but now I see, right? How, how are you sharing your hope with your words? Are you growing in your lifestyle of love? Are you growing in a lifestyle of love that just rubs off on other people around you and, in, and encourages, inspires them? I promise you, when you love people like Jesus did, it's inspiring to other people around you. Uh, I'm inspired by so many of you who do that so well. Are you using your hands to serve Jesus by serving other people? Are you, are you getting in, like, get, like, like, like being about it, right? Are you ready to go to people who need the hope you have? Are you ready to go to people who need the hope that you have? Those are some questions to encourage you and maybe to challenge you today as we invite you to be ready, to be prepared, and to step in in all those areas in your life. And our prayer is that maybe just one of those things today was something that you're like, yes, that is the thing I need to do next. 
Um, as we close today, we're gonna celebrate uh, communion. It's the first time that we've done this in this new space. And uh, th- uh, what I'd say about this, first of all, is that we, we gave you these little communion cups and uh, you may have gotten one as you came in. If you didn't and you want one, please, our, our usher team is gonna come around and they have these available for you. So you just raise your hand, it's totally fine. Raise your hand, we will find you and get you one of these. But what I wanna say about this is that for, this is for those of us, I mean, it's such an amazing response for those of us who follow Jesus and are, are ready to say, this is true of me. It's a reminder of who he is. It's a reminder of what he's done as we look forward. Today's like Palm Sunday, where biblically, like you see Jesus stepping into Jerusalem, heading toward the cross. I mean, everything in his life was pointed to the cross. That was his mission. And so he gathered his disciples together for this, this last um, moment, this last supper together. And, uh, and it says this, like that he sat with them and he had bread that he broke. Thank you. He had bread that he broke, and and he said, this is my body. Um, And and Paul writes about it like this in 1 Corinthians, reflecting on it. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and this symbolizes that. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we take this like joyfully, we take this soberly, so the, it, it's okay for, for you to, if you don't wanna take it today, if you feel like I'm not, I haven't said yes to Jesus, that's okay. We just want this to be like a, a gift to you, a time for you to explore. But for those of us who said yes to Jesus, this is another way to say yes to him again. This is another way to say, I'm ready to do those things. I'm ready to step into the life that, you, that you've given for me because you've died for me. So um, as, a, as a family, we can take the body and the blood of Christ symbolized by the bread and the cup uh, together as a family of faith. I'm gonna pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for what, you, uh, for what you've done on the cross. And even more importantly, Father, um, you rose. You rose, Father. And so we celebrate you today. Um, I'm so thankful for my friends here today, new ones and also some really old ones that are here. And um, what an amazing surprise, God. And, I pray your blessing on them and their families. And God, would you just lead us as a church and bless this moment. And may, may this moment be marked as, um, as we celebrate what you've done on the cross, that we wouldn't leave here without being changed and, and encouraged to follow you. We thank you, God. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Would you guys stand and we're gonna sing one more song together. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. 
Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.